What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 62 of the Tucson Pinball Podcast. Welcome to Wayne's World. So uh, today we're going to be exploring Expo. Yes, Pinball Expo, the show in Chicago that happened in October. And I'm not saying these are good excuses, but here are my excuses why it's taken so long to get to this. So it was my first time going to Expo, and so I wanted to do all the things, and I did, I think, all the things that I wanted to do. And one of them was the tournament, which is a very unique format, uh, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Um, but unfortunately, it's probably extremely labor-intensive to then uh, go through and figure out the finishing order um, based on the way it's set up and, and everything, because it is such a unique format. And um, so that took a little while to get into the IFPA. Not a big deal. And... Um, but shortly after that, and that, but it took, I don't know, maybe two months or so. And again, not a big deal. Appreciate the tournament. It was a lot of fun. Um, but then, uh, a little bit after that, when I was, you know, I had my notes together for what I wanted to chat about, um, I got a sinus infection and, um, it was kind of interesting cause I had some symptoms that, um, you know, and there was some overlap with COVID and I took a COVID test and Kim was like, are you sure you don't have COVID? I think you've got COVID. Da, 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 da. So, I mean, I slept on the couch for several nights anyways, just because not to get anybody else sick, but that's why you get comfortable couches. And, um, anyways, so, uh, one of the lingering symptoms after like this week long sinus infection funness, um, was, and it, I looked it up cause I was like, this is weird. I've had this before and, uh, never really experienced these symptoms, but I had a, a lingering cough that, um, it would trigger if I said more than a few words, if I, um, you know, if there were certain smells like really, um, like vinegar or buffalo wings <laughs> to vinegar chips, salt and vinegar chips and buffalo wings, two of the things that I really love. Um, or, or like anything else, like even soy sauce was doing it because we eat chicken and brown rice and I love rice because then I get to put soy sauce on it. So like all of these different things were triggering these, this like cough that just would not go away. And so I was living off of cough drops, uh, just to get through, uh, work meetings, which I don't have many of, but still, uh, when you're trying to talk to people and you're coughing every three words, like that's not really cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't go anywhere without my, my halls or my Ricolas, and man, I am so sick of those things. Um, but they got me through it. So anyways, I looked it up, and I was like, okay, lingering cough, sinus infection. And sure enough, it's a thing, and there's two different types. There's the type that goes away in about five weeks, and then there's the type that goes away in about eight weeks. And I got the second one. So yeah, eight weeks of, of coughing at just kind of the slightest thing, and eventually it kind of tapered off, but man, it was so annoying. So, um, you know, waited a couple months for the, the tournament results and then waited a couple months to not cough and blow out everybody's ears that is listening to this. And here we are. <laughs> so, um, I, I've been able to do this podcast for, you know, a couple months now, but, um, yeah. So the third leg of my excuse is I just kind of got lazy. So, um, here we are at least six months, uh, behind schedule. Uh, let's talk about Expo. So it was my first time going to the Chicago Pinball Expo, and I was excited to go. Um, I, I have the opportunity to go to a couple shows a year, and since Pinburg is no longer, I've kind of decided that I wanted to try uh, getting to some shows that I've maybe never done before, maybe do a new show every year. 
uh, and then keep TPF on the list. And then um, Indisc uh, would also be something else that I would really like to go to because that is, I mean, it's it's a huge show. Or it's a huge tournament at this point, um, but it's also not that far away. It's only like seven-hour drive or something. So uh, Indisc and TPF are my kind of like, hey, these should be set in semi-stone and then you know we can we can swing one other show or tournament you know each year and uh and in 2021 i decided to go to expo so dave ben and myself we went and fortunately which was really awesome um we flew out on a wednesday and there's a direct flight from tucson and that was really nice because it's really nice not having to go through Phoenix or through LAX or through Texas or anything else to get somewhere major. Um, Tucson International Airport, you know, our, our large travel center in Tucson. <laughs> that's that's sarcasm. Um, TIA is what it is because it has flights to Mexico. And that's probably why they get to say they're an international airport because uh, they have two terminals and I don't know, maybe like 35 40 gates total but it's you know so it's it's not tiny um but uh it's still it's still not very big so anyways get to chicago directly from tucson that's awesome um it was 10 minute bus drive or i didn't drive but 10 minutes bus ride from o'hare uh to the rental car hub um on our way there we we could see these overhead light rail cars with uh these big signs on the side that said test so uh, maybe maybe in the future those will be available and you won't have to take the bus, which the bus wasn't bad. It's the, the traffic. And it's like, man, are we ever going to get there, even though it can't be that far away? So uh, maybe someday in the future. Hey, shoot. It's six months later. Maybe now uh, that that option exists. So uh, anyway, so get there, get the car, get to the embassy suites. And the embassy suites is not where Expo is held. Um, it's. It's uh, in the complex, let's call it, and it's kind of a far, <laughs> it's a far distance. You can see it from uh, from the expo uh, convention area, but uh, it's definitely it would definitely be a long walk. Um, but it was a really uh, short car drive. So, um, anyways, as we're checking in, um, they've got you know we we found out the information on food and and whatever, and they've got you know morning breakfast, and it was a, it was a pretty good spread actually. And uh, two drink tickets per night. Um, we did not use any of them after the first night, <laughs> just because uh, we we weren't there. Um, so, anyways, we we kind of dropped our bags and we're like, okay, let's go, let's go do a food run. You know, let's go find a grocery store, get some snacks, get some drinks. You know, bottles of water, beer, what, whatever, so that we can throw them in the room and uh, put them in the fridge and whatnot. And uh, so, on the way out, walk past the bar because they've already kind of started um the drink service and uh i see this guy and i you know kind of in the back of my mind i was like man he looks a lot like kevin ryan from uh colorado and but then i was just as we kind of got closer i was like no i don't think that's him but he sure looks like him so anyways uh walk up the stairs past the front entryway see a mask wearing glasses and baseball hat wearing individual and i'm like I think I know those eyes that might be Jeff Teolis. So, uh, I kind of, kind of did that, like, um, that little rubbernecking you do as you're, you're kind of like slowly driving past, a, uh, an event on the freeway and you're just like, okay, just taking it in for a second. And I was like, yeah, you know, it, it only took a half a second. I was like, yeah, I really do think that is Jeff Teolis, you know? So anyways, 
Um, and of course, when you think of Jeff Teolis, what do you think of? You think of Fireball. So that kind of put Fireball on my mind. Convenient because after dinner, we are going to go to the grocery store. And uh, so all of a sudden, my I don't even know what I wanted before that. But at that point, I was just like, yeah, I think a bottle of Fireball sounds kind of good for the weekend. Uh, so we went to dinner at the uh, – it's really funny to say it this way, but it's the Weber Steakhouse. But, you know, I went to high school in Utah, and it is – Weber is spelled W-E-B-E-R. And um, where, I, where I went to school, I was in Weber County, and that's the same, that's the same spelling. Um, to me, Weber should be W-E-B-B-E-R. Um, so anyways – uh, but I think it's pretty much how everybody says that. But anyways, uh, they're the guys that make grills, and uh, apparently they have some steakhouses, and it was pretty good. Uh, we had a couple drinks, had some good food, and then we were off to a Safeway. So like I said, we were we were out there looking for – we were on the hunt for snacks and drinks and uh, maybe even some, some breakfasty things because we weren't quite sure how the breakfast was going to be. Um, that was – that worry was alleviated after the first morning because uh, – yeah, those it was good. We got, you know, I think they had waffles and cereals and stuff, but you could also they had an omelet station and it's like, man, this is that was pretty nice. Nice to have a nice warm meal for breakfast. Especially a nice hearty meal if you're if you're going to go, you know, if you're going to go to a pinball show, whether you're doing tournaments or walking around the show, like it's really nice to not be hungry, you know, late morning, you know. I feel like I'm a hobbit someday. You know, it's like I have first breakfast and then it's like, okay, time for second breakfast because <laughs> it's it's like 10 o'clock and uh, I'm hungry again. I like food. So uh, anyways, yeah. So we we get to the Safeway. We get everything we need. I got some Fireball. Um, I, I messaged Jeff uh, saying, you know, hey, uh, I got some Fireball and uh, I think I saw you at the hotel and we're going to go hang out on one of the couches down in the lobby area. Oh, oh, Embassy Suites. Um, this one was pretty cool. So if you picture a box with a hollow center, uh, that was basically the layout. So all the rooms were along the outer wall area, and then the uh, open area in the middle went all the way up to the floor, which is kind of wasted space, but it had a really cool presentation. And they had several different areas that had seats and couches and tables and whatever. And, like, I don't know, maybe six or eight different groups of people could all go and like have their own conversations and hang out with their own group and not be like sitting on top of another group next to them. It was, it was really nicely spread out. It was really cool environment. Um, comfy couches and chairs. And, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, just overall situation. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, so anyways, sent Jeff a message saying, uh, Hey, uh, we're in the, the front left corner, whatever of the MC seating area. And, uh, if you are looking to join, uh, you are welcome. <laughs> so, uh, not Kevin Ryan, um, made his way over to, to our area <laughs> at some point. And, uh, you know, we went out to dinner, we went to the grocery store and we weren't in a hurry at either one of these places. And I don't think not Kevin Ryan left the bar in this entire time. Uh, I should stop saying his name as not Kevin Ryan, because it's not Kevin Ryan, and this, you know, I don't want that to come back to him. But uh, anyway, so after we were there, and this individual uh, made his way over, he was very friendly, very chatty, um, he introduced himself as Red Dog. Now, Red Dog was not very red. Red Dog was fairly white. Um, his 
his goatee mini beard thing was very white, as was the hair on top of his head. But he was Red Dog for sure. His real name, he said, was Cliff. He was the telecom guy from Shreveport. And it was Wednesday, and he'd been there since Monday doing some training for work. And he iterated over and over again how little he cared anymore in a much more colorful way. Um, how little he cared to be there anymore, that he was basically done learning and was just going to show up at the, you know, whatever his training stuff was. So Shreveport, when your cell phone or internet goes down, think of Red Dog. <laughs> and uh, like I said, Red Dog hadn't left the bar area. He used his two tickets and probably many other tickets worth of uh, enjoyment by this point. So um, uh, he hung out with us. He uh, he brought it. I think he brought a couple of his own. <laughs> um, and then he uh, he got his own cup and he he had, uh, I think, a beer or two and eventually a little sip of Fireball, too. And and Jeff did join us. Uh, he he kind of <laughs> he wandered in. And man, it was kind of late at this point already. It was like 11 o'clock, 1130, maybe. I don't know. And um, so, yeah, uh, Jeff joined us and uh, Red Dog was uh getting a little sleepy at this point. He was, uh, he was, he'd had a good, good amount of fun that day. So, um, I was talking to Jeff about, you know, just traveling and, you know, it's, it's Chicago in October and he's from, and Jeff is from Canada and it's like they had, I think they had just recently lifted the, the travel restriction. And I think this was the, one of the, the instances where, where Jeff was kind of, kind of puzzled by, by, uh, government logic saying, you're not allowed to drive across the border and, you know, get into America, but you can fly. <laughs> so instead of, you know, probably a hundred ish dollars in gas, it was several hundreds or I think it was like $1,200 for a ticket for something. Maybe, maybe it wasn't this, maybe it was Cleveland he was talking about. Um, but it's like, yeah, 10 times more to, to fly there than to drive there as far as a fuel cost compared to a ticket cost. And, and it's like, okay, but I, I can only do the more expensive thing. I can't do the cheaper thing. Yay. Thank you very much. So anyways, Jeff and I were talking about, you know, what all he'd been able to do because, you know, COVID was still a thing and, you know, we're from Arizona and, uh, there hasn't been COVID here, uh, in like a long time. Um, that, that's again, sarcasm. Um, you know, the mask mandate was lifted, except for municipal buildings um, in municipalities that chose to go that route um, a very, very long time ago, much sooner than a lot of other states. And Chicago still had uh, some of that situation going on. Um, the airlines obviously still did because they just lifted that. And this is now April, late April. And um, they just lifted that a couple days ago. So anyways, you know, just kind of it was fun talking to Jeff because I don't think we'd ever really chatted about much uh, prior to this, you know, so it was kind of the first time meeting him and, and it was cool just kind of, you know, talking to another pinhead and, um, you know, especially one that, that was from another country just because, you know, Canada's not that far away, but uh, it's still a different um, experience and perspective. And, you know, for us getting on a flight and going to another state wasn't a big deal, but for him getting from one country to the next in the middle of a pandemic was probably fairly interesting. Um, 
So it was it was about twelve thirty at this point, and uh, Red Dog decided that he was no longer really comfortable in the chair that he had been sleeping in for the last thirty minutes, and he decided to just face plant onto the floor. <laughs> and uh, all of us, the four of us, because Dave and Ben are still sitting here, you know, all, we're all having a conversation, and uh, Red Dog is just like wham. And uh, fortunately, in the seating area, it was not a like a marble tile. It was carpeted, but I'm sure that didn't dampen the fall much. But I don't think he cared all that much at that point because um, he just kept snoring right away on that floor. And it's like, you know what? He's breathing. He's not bleeding. Um, and he's still sleeping. So let's just leave him be for a little while longer. So at about 1.30, we kind of all decided, hey, you know, we've got stuff to do tomorrow. Uh, maybe we should get some rest. And um, it was at that point that Red Dog kind of came to, and uh, uh, I kind of helped him get back to his room. And he just was like, he gave me his wallet. And he's like, the key's in here somewhere. Uh, like, he was just, he was capable of walking, but uh, he didn't, he wasn't capable of much more. So... Uh, he knew what room number he needed after he found his little key packet thing with the room number uh, printed on it. So uh, got him back to his room, badged him in, gave him his wallet, and he was just like, you know, I don't want to go to training tomorrow. I don't care. And that was not a quote. He said it very different than that. Um, but anyways, so yeah, by uh, by Thursday, um, he was he was kind of done. Or by Thursday morning, he'd kind of had his fill. Um, so I don't even know if he made it, made it to training. So anyways, we haven't even started Expo, and we've already had um, quite an eventful adventure so far. All right, so day one, uh, this is Thursday, October 28th, and there's not a whole lot going on except for tournaments and um, and some seminars. And originally, there was going to be uh, the, the Stern Tour, you know, where everybody gets a ticket, everybody that wants to go, not everybody, everybody, but everybody that wants to go, they buys their ticket, they get on the bus, and they go to Stern. And a couple days prior, whatever, you know, prior to getting there, we had found out that Stern was not going to offer the in-person, which was a real big bummer because, you know, I'm kind of a manufacturing nerd. I, I would have loved to have seen the factory and uh, just kind of walk around. And it would have been really cool if Dwight would have been the tour guide because uh, Dwight is probably my favorite person to listen to on podcasts as a guest from the guest standpoint um, because he's just excited about everything. Everything he enjoys makes him excited, and um, I don't think he's a very good poker player because, like, he is just, like, if he's excited, he's excited, right? So um, anyway, so I totally get, you know, why they had to cancel it. And, you know, it, it was a work day after all. And, um, I can't imagine that they would not be, uh, assembling games just to, just to have a tour for Expo come through. Um, but again, I've never done the tour, so I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I wasn't really interested in a virtual tour. Um, cause Jack Danger had done that a couple of months prior. He walked through and it wasn't like a full on tour. It was more of like a, kind of a, a collage of, of different um, areas of the building and stuff, but you kind of, you got the basic idea and you even got an interview with Gary Stern. And I think that was the first time that Gary was like, yeah, we're, you know, we have a backlog of 3000 pinball machines or something like that. Like it was, it was a number that at the time I was like, oh wow. And uh, since then, I think the number has only gone up. Uh, recent quotes have been anywhere from six, seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 machines. And it's like, man, that's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> so um, and Godzilla Premium is one of one of them, and uh, 
that's one of those is mine. So, um, you know, I'm waiting. I know. Uh, I was told. <laughs> I was told originally it would it would be August, um, and so I'm. It's April. It's not August yet. So, you know what? It'll it'll happen when it happens. So, anyways, didn't do the virtual tour thing. Um, I did get a seminar badge. Uh, it was sixty bucks. Wasn't super thrilled about that, especially after I found out they were they were streaming them on Twitch. Uh, I was just like, oh, okay. Had I known, but you know, what's the point of sitting in the lobby watching a Twitch stream of something that's going on live, like right across the hallway? Like that's kind of I don't know. That's that's a little lame. Um, but so I, I mean, so I can get it, but it's just still kind of like, yeah, you know what? Maybe next year I wouldn't do this, but. Anyway, so uh, the tournament area did finally, not finally, but the tournament area opened and uh, we were able to, to get checked in and, um, you know, kind of put in for everything. Uh, let's see. So the main format or the main event was it, you get 12 entries and the top 83, according to their, I think they had pre-registration information at least. And so is was, was the top 40% made it into a... Uh, everybody else got put into B finals, so everybody makes makes finals. It doesn't matter. Um, and I don't. Again, top eighty three made it into A. I don't know if I got that number before or after uh, the event, uh, but either way, that's what it ended up being. So um, either way, like you can you can see on the list kind of where you are anyway. So you're just kind of like, okay, I need to be about there. <laughs> so. Um, in general, all all you have to worry about is just keep doing better, and uh, you know you'll move up. And if you don't do better, you'll either stay or bleed out, and that's kind of the way it goes. So uh, I started qualifying. Um, there was there was a okay. It's a tournament, which makes sense. You know, Trent is from Tilt Amusements. He is the one running it, and he is a one of the larger Stern distributors. And it that's the way the format has been for at least the last several years that I'm aware of. Again, first time going to Expo. Don't have a ton of experience doing this. Um, that's what I'm thinking it is. So here's the, tur- here, or the turtles. Here's the tournament games um, that were available. So they had a Turtles Pro, Iron Maiden Pro, Beatles, uh, Led Zeppelin Pro, Mandalorian Pro, Avengers Pro. Uh, I don't know why I have Avengers Pro written down twice, but... Uh, they had two of most everything, <laughs> and they did have two Avengers Pro as well. So, uh, good job, Wayne. Uh, anyway, Stranger Things Pro. Uh, why do I have Beatles written again? Man, who wrote this? Red Dog, um, Iron Maiden Pro, and if I left anything off, I didn't play it. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, so with my twelve entries, I'm just like, okay, so I've played some of these games. Enough to be comfortable on them. I mean, Iron Maiden is the obvious one. I've played Stranger Things a few times. Um, Ben has an Avengers LE on location. I've played that. I'm still not super... uh, I wouldn't say I'm comfortable in that. In a tournament setting, um, in a qualifying setting anyways, where you only have 12 tickets and uh, what was it? The top four, top five counted, something like that. It's it's a low number. And uh, I was just sitting there going... You know, I'll play Avengers maybe, but uh, with only 12 entries, that makes me nervous. So um, I, I only played a couple of games. So 
So these are the ones that counted, right? So I, I played Turtles and somehow got a, a not-so-decent score that, that actually kind of held up, mostly because I think people just didn't want to play Turtles. Um, man, I wish... I wish that game had a little bit more of a spread in the scoring. You know, it just feels like any any score is attainable because the scoring is just so low. And I know that doesn't matter because, you know, if it's if it's the same difficulty to get from one million to ten million as it is to get from ten million to a hundred million on another game or the same game just with different, you know, you add a zero. Like it doesn't doesn't change anything. The scoring and the challenge is still the exact same. The, the grind is still the same, but there is a, a mental perception on modern games with really low scoring, hi, Jersey Jack, um, that it just makes it look like there's not there's not a big gap between any of the players at any given time. Um, and Stern is typically not uh, a low-scoring company as far as the games they put out, uh, but Turtles is, and I think it just kind of, it's one of those weird things that, that people just aren't used to. So, anyways, I had a a turtle score that kind of held decently strong because, again, I think everybody just stayed away from it. Um, Played Stranger Things, uh, played Mandalorian, which I didn't have much experience on outside of um, Riverside um, at Pinball at the Lab. Yay, I did it. I didn't say Pinball at the Lake. Yay, go Wayne. Um, Anyways, uh, Led Zeppelin Pro, which I've played, like, maybe five times prior to this. Uh, Beatles, which I'd played a couple times, which um, the Miranda Pinball Collective, Ben, Dave, and, and Dan's place now has one, and we play it in our weekly league, and uh, I really enjoy Beatles. It's a lot of fun. Um, and obviously, I played Maiden, and uh, there was there was a lot of really good scores on Maiden. It's just like, uh, my only advantage on Maiden is that I know what I'm trying to do, um, but when you have all the players there that were there, um, it's it's my inability to score... Really, really, really high, like uh, a lot of those folks can. That that's that's going to hold you back. You know, you know what you can do or know what you want to do, uh, but good luck trying to get there compared to people that they can actually do do the thing. Um, so, anyways, uh, I played my first entry at uh, two o'clock in the afternoon. I played my last entry at just after eleven, according to I think we were using uh, Carl's Never Drain stuff, uh, at least for qualifying. Um, and then after that, it was a really big spreadsheet <laughs> that got printed out and pasted up on the board or up on the wall, and that was really cool. So uh, in the end of things, I finished um, 153rd out of 211 in the qualifying portion, and uh, 153 is bigger than 83, so I did not qualify for A. And so the way things are going to play out is it no longer matters how good I do on the next day. Um, that is my finishing result when it comes to the Whoppers. So uh, Ben actually qualified in A. Uh, he finished uh, the qualifying portion 59th out of 83. And um, unfortunately, he had a a kind of tough uh, finals morning. Uh, he ended up finishing uh, 76th overall. So Gave up a little bit of ground on, on his qualifying spot, but hey, he qualified for A. I did not. Uh, he ended up with 4.79 points. And uh, so my my uh, finals day was I got six buys. And you're like, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You're like almost at the bottom of B. How do you get six buys? And that's because 
there is a really big uh, bracket. And uh, once you get into finals, it's um, double elimination, best two out of three. So uh, the bracket is, I think it's uh, eight stems, or I don't even know what you call eight legs. Each each round has eight uh, groups going on. So for every eight positions that you move up in the qualifying, you get one buy. So I was six buys worth of standings out of last place, basically. <laughs> so uh, uh, I started in round seven, and uh, Ben started at, at 10 o'clock that morning, and I started at two in the afternoon, um, just, just to kind of show you what kind of a spread that could be. Uh, so anyways, I went back and I looked at stuff because I was just like, I was going to try to talk about all the different matches and everything and this and that and whatever. And uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you what my crutches were and uh, basically, you know, win-loss, win-loss type of stuff. So uh, my biggest crutch in this whole thing turned out to be Beatles. Um, both of them were playing really hard and the qualifying scoring was really low. And I think... Um, a pretty decent game was like one and a half million. And I, I saw a couple people score over like in the three plus million range. And I don't think there was any games that I saw where both players scored three million or above. So if you cross that, you know, at that kind of point in my mind, I'm like, okay, if I can get three million, I'm going to win. And it almost doesn't matter who you play. So, um, let's see. So I went win, 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 and then I got my loss. So I got moved into the, uh, losers bracket or as, um, myself as a TD, like to phrase it, the elimination bracket. Um, and then I went, uh, two wins there and that ended the day. So I made it through the first day of finals and I was in, you know, I, I had a game the first round on Saturday, um, 10 a.m. game and I lost. So uh, in several of these games, um, or several of these rounds, I ended up getting taken to games that I didn't play in qualifying either at all or much. I think I played Jurassic Park once in finals, um, and I think that was actually the first losing round that I had. Uh, we played, uh, I think we played Jurassic Park, then I think I either picked Turtles or Beatles, and then uh, won that one, and I lost Jurassic Park, which is why I got to pick. Um, and then the other player picked, uh, Mando and the, I, I don't know what it was, but it's like, I kind of knew what to expect, but one of those feeds from the, the Mandalorian. So it was in the pop bumper area and it was coming out the right hand side and it was just the, the cheapest drain feed. Like I think I've ever seen, it was worse than, than walking dead when it, it kind of comes out of the pop area and it just like goes right down the middle and you're just like, wait a second, that that should like bounce over or like that geometry is wrong. So and I haven't played another Mandalorian that's like this. Not that I've played a lot of them, but I've played a handful now and and none of them were feeding like that. And it's just like, OK, the first time it happened, I was like, wait, what? And then it happened. I saw it happening again. I was like, OK, hit the game. <laughs> and so I, I bumped it up to try to get it to maybe feed above the outlane. And it still went in the outlane. I was like. Oh, this is not good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even watching, I think that specific game was on stream later, um, watching some of these better players, I was just like, wait, how come they're not getting that feed? Like, was it just the speed that it was happening at? Or, like, it, did something change? I, like, I don't even know. But it was 
man, I was I was frustrated by that. Um, but you know what? Whatever. Um, one of the surprises of my experience um, in finals was uh, Avengers Pro. So I played. I get. I didn't play because I picked it. I got taken to Avengers Pro uh, several times. I think like three rounds in a row at least. And well, if you count um, if you count the, the the last round, the Saturday round, um, I think I played it four rounds in a row. And until that last round, I won each one of those games. And they're not super impressive scores, but keep in mind, like, these games were set up pretty challenging. And, I mean, I was playing folks that were getting in, like, the teens of millions, and I was getting, like, 50, 60, 80 million points. And I was just like, you know, I would consider that kind of a a decent game at league, like, when we play it. You know, like, it's just kind of like, okay, what's, what's the first level of scoring that I get to that I'm kind of, you know, happy? Like, when I play Old Chicago, it's like, if, if I can start getting into, like, the 40K range, like... Okay, I'm feeling pretty good. Let's see where we can go from there. Um, anything under that's kind of like, eh, well, that's kind of a disappointment. But anyway, so playing Avengers, and it's like, okay, first game was, you know, 53. Next game was 58. Next game was 54. Or, you know, you know stuff like that. And I was like, man, I haven't had, like, a, a 15 million point game yet. And, you know, it, again, it was playing hard, and I was just kind of like, you know what? Maybe I should have played this in qualifying. Not that I would have, you know, not that 55 million is going to, you know, do great as far as qualifying goes, but uh, it would be way better than some of the other games that I played and some of the other scores that I put up. Um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, first round, Saturday morning, Wayne is out. Um, and again, all I knew at the time was that I finished in the 41st to 48th spot as far as like on the paper bra- uh, bracket thing that was going on. Um, and I was just like, okay, well, you know, I know kind of about where I, where I finished overall, or at least in B, um, we'll have to wait and see what the IFPA points are. And that's when I was like, oh man, like, even though I moved up several positions, uh, after, you know, being in the finals, um, compared to where I started anyways, uh, that, that didn't get factored in. So you were playing in B division, literally just to try to win. Uh, you weren't getting any extra whoppers, no matter where you finished, because, uh, where you were was where you were. Um, yeah. So anyways, um, like I said, 153 out of 211, uh, and I got 2.06 swappers out of that. So, you know, the decay really wasn't all that bad, um, considering I was in the bottom 25% and still, still got two whoppers, but still, when you have 211 people, um, and a lot of them from the Chicago area, they, they give a pretty hefty amount of bonus points. Um, and those are the, I don't even know what IFPA calls them. So those are the points, the the little sprinkling of extra stuff that you get for being high enough ranking or high enough rating. And both contribute stuff, and I've found that uh, it's easier to do that from a rating standpoint than a ranking standpoint. Because ranking, you have to be like 980-something before you contribute anything. Uh, rating, you can be in like the 1300s or something like that before you start contributing. So, um, And 1300 as a rating is way easier than uh, sub-1000 as a ranking if you live in a demographic like Tucson. So, anyways, tournament time is done. So now we're going to go back to Thursday real quick, you know. Um, so the seminars, I, I ended up going to a few of them. I really enjoyed the ones that I went to. I was not really interested in the ones that I, I didn't go to, obviously. Um, but I did find out later that there was a couple that I really would have enjoyed to have gone to see. Um, but I don't either the, the title of the seminar didn't click or 
I didn't recognize the names or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, but so anyway, so seminars, uh, they started at one fifteen, and the ones that I went to uh, was the 3 o'clock one, and it was uh, Pinball Applications for STEM with Zach Fuchs, I think is how you say his last name. And um, that was cool. Uh, so he is a professor and obviously a very smart person and he has he has taken kind of this little idea that i had had for kind of like a tournament concept that i'm still trying to work on and to pitch to schools to offer you know a little bit of excitement about pinball as like a stem activity and kind of go over what aspects of pinball machines themselves um, require a stem background and then start a pinball tournament and let the kids have fun too um so anyways, he had this really cool presentation, and he had some videos, he had a bunch of pictures, and he had some really good stories about how he's integrating pinball and different aspects of whether it's the manufacturing or the programming or, um, you know, all the, the other – there's so many things that go into pinball that, that are STEM-based, and, and he's kind of focused that uh, in his teaching, and he's got a couple different classes based on it, and – um, he's got a couple pinball machines in the lab area where they do some other fun testing and like he does robotic stuff and like they, one of the, the projects, it was like a three or four person group project, I think was to like design your own design and make your own pinball machine. Um, so that involves like 3d printing a lot of the parts and, and, um, programming, uh, to, to get it to function. And you had to have some sort of a game with rules and scoring and objectives and all that other stuff. Um, as a part of the curriculum. And I just thought that was super cool. That was that was a ton of fun. And if I was a college-age person and I was looking at a program to go to and I was into pinball, I would definitely want to uh, at least consider that um, and hopefully be aware that that thing existed because uh, that would be a really cool experience. Um, I took a couple pictures of... Um, he, and he had one of his play fields there. It wasn't... I don't think it was in a machine. I, was sitting, I think it was just sitting on a tabletop. Um, but he had a booth there. And so I, I, I happened to find it by wandering around. I don't think I would have known that otherwise. Um, well, he, I mean, he said it in the seminar afterwards. But just wandering around the, the area, I don't know that I would have been able to, to, to come across it and be aware of like, oh, the thing I'm looking at, those red wire forms, uh, those are not powder-coated metal. That's 3D-printed stuff. And so I took a couple of pictures because, you know, with a 3D printer, you have a limited space that you can print on. And... He had this um, fairly simple and simplistic way of, of using screws to kind of mate the, the two sections or multiple sections together. And it, was, it really wasn't any different than a flange on a pipe or, like, the exhaust on your car. Like, it was the same basic concept, but I had never really thought of, like, printing uh, wire forms and, and using them at all. Like I thought it was like, it's got to be metal. It's got to be either soldered or welded or whatever. Otherwise it's not going to last. And it's like, no, no, that's, that's not true. You can 3d print this stuff. So, um, I took a couple of pictures of how he got those, uh, to, to combine together. And I was just like, I'm hopefully going to be using this in the near future. Um, still haven't, but, uh, I have the pictures at least. So, um, don't have to rely on my memory for that. Uh, to follow that up, uh, the four o'clock seminar, which, you know, was, was really on topic, uh, was how to build a pinball machine in 4,761 simple steps. And that was the homebrew, uh, 
homebrew bit with uh, Ryan McQuaid, who did Sonic. Or I shouldn't say did as if it was a past tense. I think all of these are like, you know, homebrews are basically never done because there is no production manager saying, stop changing stuff. We have to make this now. <laughs> you know, so homebrews are, you know, they're just never-ending stories. Um, so Ryan McQuaid is doing Sonic, uh, Mark Sidon is doing Metroid, and uh, Happy News After uh, Expo at some point came out that uh, Mark has been hired by JJP. He is a game designer for Jersey Jack, which that's super cool. Uh, Mark has actually helped me um, overcome some of the, the issues I've run into because I'm not a programmer, and he is. Um, so he's helped me out on uh, submission pinball framework stuff when programming on my game. Um, that I was just like, I can't figure this out. And then he was just like, oh, here, here's a live stream I did. And it's about here that you want to watch. And I watched and I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel so dumb sometimes. So Not that I'm dumb, but it's like, man, people are so smart. <laughs> um, and can't leave off Mike Becker, who's doing Fight Club. Um And so all three of these guys are very cool. Uh, I think Ryan is definitely... Um, a little bit more outgoing um, of the group. He was uh, he was also dressed up in character at uh, the homebrew aisle where he had Sonic on the, the far left side. And I went over and I chatted with him, and uh, it was very nice to finally meet um, some of these guys as well. Because I've again I've talked to them online, and you know these are the opportunities you get to meet people. Um, Take advantage of these opportunities and go say hi to people. You know, if you've talked to them online and whether they have seen your face because you're using a real face picture like you're on Facebook or something else, or if they just know you as your pin side avatar, you know, go introduce yourself to people. Everybody is just as like, not everybody, but most people are just as nervous about walking up to somebody and saying, hi, I'm such and such. You know me from such and such, you know, but once you get over that hurdle, um, they're, the conversations are very easy to happen after that. Uh, so um, after the 4 o'clock session, the uh, the vendor area and free play area opened. Um, a couple other things that, that I did go to, I went to the 7 p.m. with American Pinball. They did their update. Uh, they had just, I think they had recent, just recently uh, talked about Legends of Valhalla. That came out that they were going to do that, uh, produce that homebrew. Um, that's, um, that's a riot pinball design. Uh, Scott Gullicks, uh, does the, the design and the layout and the art. And I, I, I like Scott's art. I think he's a, a good artist. Um, I like his style as far as like his, the key lines and kind of like the, the serious cartoony look that he's got. Um, I think that goes really well with, with pinball. Um, and then Frank, oh shoot, Frank, I'm so sorry. Uh, is it, it's, is it gelato? Or is that the food? Or is it gel it's gelat something? Again, I'm I'm really sorry, Frank. But but Frank is the the programming wizard, and uh, he does stuff that um, I could never even imagine learning about. Because um, again, I can't I can't code. Um, so 8 p.m. was the fireside chat with Pat Lawler, and I had never done a uh, an in person seminar with Pat Lawler, and uh, these these in person things and and seeing these people live is the reason why I got the ticket to go do these seminars. Because um, if you just want the information, you can watch it on Twitch. It's not that big of a deal. And it would be free and whatever. Um, but to go and see it in person, like, it was really cool. And I wanted to ask Pat a question, but it was more of kind of a, a joke question. Like, 
um, when I had Whirlwind, there was these individual light boards that uh, they have the wedge bulbs that then have those like twist lock things on them. And some of those were red. And red is normally prototype. And I wanted to ask him, why were, why were the single light boards red? Um, but again, that was more of a joke than a serious question. And I just was like, no, nah, I don't need to troll him. He probably, he probably doesn't even, you know, not that he wouldn't remember, but it's just like, it probably didn't even matter to him at the time. So whether he noticed or not what was going on in a game in 1990, you know, or, or the reasoning behind it, you know, he, I don't know. And so I was just like, you know what? I don't want to be that guy and just ask like some super random obscure question just to be like, Hey, I'm the cool guy. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah. So on Friday, uh, the game area opened at noon. Uh, we, I went there after getting knocked out of the B finals, uh, went to a three o'clock seminar, uh, just to see some Cactus Canyon remake info. Uh, I didn't stay the whole time. Uh, Dave and Ben sure did. They took pictures and, and everything like that. And I think it was around this time that I don't, I don't think Dave told me until later, but I think it was around this time that, uh, Dave pulled the trigger on, on an LE on that. So that's pretty sweet. Um, so, um, again, manufacturing issues and, and Dave's game will be here at an undetermined time, but, uh, sometime in the future. Uh, 4 PM went to the vendor area, uh, I kind of didn't realize that Stern was going to be streaming their their chats that they were having in the seminar area um, over in their booth area. And Stern had a really cool area. And and I kind of – I'll get to all the different vendor areas in, in a little while, but just kind of want to go through some of the sequence of events. Um, but, but it was really kind of weird because it's like, wait, Stern is streaming stuff to their booth, and it was a really cool booth, um, stage area and everything. Um, they were streaming stuff to that area that was going on, in the seminar hall that was just around the corner. And I was like, that was when I kind of realized like, oh, they're streaming this stuff. Why, why are we sitting in there? Why are we trying to like, you know, and anyways, I was just kind of like, hmm, but I still had fun. Ah, so anyways, uh, played in the vendor area, man, a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, <laughs> because the free play area. Um, and, and we played there till it closed at 11, um, on Saturday, uh, the game area opened at nine, vendor area opened at 10. Um, oh, the autographs. Oh my goodness. The autograph session. Okay. So from one to two thirty, uh, they had an autograph session and it was like a square of tables set up and the signing folks were sitting on the inside of the square and you could kind of either start at the beginning and just work your way all the way around, but they weren't. There wasn't anything that you could just pick up at the at the front and be like, ha- ask everybody to sign it. Um, or maybe there was. I don't know. But uh, I knew that Brian Eddy was going to be there. And so I brought um, the engineering drawing that I have, the original Attack from Mars uh, playfield layout. And it's printed, it's plotted one-to-one. Um, it is full scale on really big paper. And it's probably, uh, it's probably 24 high. And it's got to be, I think it's like 70-something inches long. Like, it's a huge sheet of paper. And I had this rolled up in this tube, and I this is the only reason why I checked any luggage was to fit this stupid tube in my suitcase. Because uh, it, otherwise it was, I don't know, I was just kind of like, uh, I've seen guys take fishing rods on airplanes, but it's just like, man, I don't want to, like, let this be bouncing around somewhere like not in a suitcase i'd i'd feel much more comfortable if it was in a suitcase because it's irreplaceable and da 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 so went over to brian eddie 
And Dave was with me, and Dave took a couple of pictures, and I'd share those. But man, I look a um, little, little fluffy <laughs> in those pictures, and I'm just like, ooh, I don't know that I want those to be public. Um, but anyway, so I take the the paper out of the tube, and of course, it's rolled to the opposite side. Like the side that I want him to sign is actually this this kind of like ten by ten open area, um, whereas everything else is covered with with drawing stuff, and. Uh, and so I'm like trying to unravel this thing to get to the the spot, and you know I, I have a pen and everything, and, and poor Dwight Sullivan is sitting next to Brian Eddy, and I'm like unraveling this thing, and Dwight's helping me like pull this this roll open so that Brian can sign it, and I'm like Dwight, I'm so sorry, like I feel really rude right now, um, but I appreciate your assistance, <laughs> you know, and uh, unfortunately Lyman wasn't at the show. Uh, I was trying to find out if he was going to be at the show. He wasn't going to be at the show. And I was like, okay, when's the next time I can see Lyman? And, uh, you know, unfortunately the answer for that is, is never, um, because he wasn't able to make it out to a show, um, prior to his passing. But, uh, my, my big goal was to have both Lyman and Brian sign this, this engineering drawing. And then I'm going to, um, have a frame made for it or maybe make a frame because, oh, that's going to be expensive. Um, and, and I want to, you know, have this thing unfolded and displayed somewhere. But like I said, it is, it's big, like it's bigger than some coffee tables <laughs> than most coffee tables actually. Um, but yeah, anyway, so it was super awesome to, to see Brian Eddy and, and kind of say hi and, and everything. And, um, he was there obviously for, for Mando stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I opened this engineering drawing for, for attack for Mars. And I was like, you know, do you even remember this? And he's just like, wow, this thing is not new. Um, so anyways, that was cool. Uh, so the vendor area closed at 10 and the free play area was, was definitely open a lot more than the vendor area, which I get it because not all of these, you know, when you think of the vendor area, like most, at least I think of the people that are bringing games, you know, but the vendor area is also a marketplace where people have tables and they're selling ramps and widgets and, and stuff like that. And so it's like, these folks can't be expected to be there 16 hours a day. Some of them are doing it alone. And it's like, you know, if you have a team of people, yeah, you could do it in shifts and whatever, but it's like, that's, that's a long time. So as unfortunate as it was to not have access to like the Stern and American pinball areas and the homebrew stuff, like I totally get it from the side of, of the people that are bringing stuff there to sell. So anyways, Sunday, uh, was going to be the travel day home. Uh, oh, well it was, it, it, not that it like didn't happen it did happen and both both ways that you say that you have to say it as it was but uh it almost wasn't <laughs> so uh i i'm woken up at four o'clock in the morning um uh, by uh oh no, no no i'm sorry it wasn't four in the morning my alarm was set for four in the morning because we had kind of an early flight and you don't want to miss a flight going home because that sucks and we'd never i'd never been there before wasn't sure how the process was going to take um you know, here's a pro tip. O'Hare is uh, never not busy. So, you know, just assume it's going to be slammed and it's going to suck getting through security and whatever. Um, so anyways, we were going to get up at four so that we could get ready, get to the, the airport. I think the flight, um, I don't even know what time the flight was, but it's like, okay, we got to get through security and maybe be at the gate by seven to be comfortable. You know, I don't know. We had we had plenty of, of uh, emergency time in there. So uh, anyways... Ben like wakes me up at two thirty in the morning and says, uh, Hey, um, our flights are canceled. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
what? <laughs> and uh, this was so American Airlines canceled 600 flights that day. And, you know, once I got home and was kind of able to absorb some of the news, um, that was the weekend. American canceled like 2000 flights in the span of three days, I think it was. And it was insane. And so, like, we're all going through our, our American apps, and, and they got booked on something, and it was later that morning, and um, I don't remember even where they were going to go through. I think it was O'Hare to LAX and then to Tucson. And But by the time, like, but I was doing that too, and this happened. This has happened before where it's like, hey, everybody's getting their stuff canceled, and only a portion of this group um, was able to get those exact flights. Um, so my next option, keep in mind, this is a Sunday. Oh, by the way, it's October 31st. It's Halloween. I have kids. I wanted to go trick-or-treating with my kids. So I'm just like, oh, no. Um, so, yeah, the earliest available thing that I can find is Tuesday. And I'm like, wait, what? So, um, yeah, that's that was a bummer. So we're all getting situated. It's like, okay, let's get to the airport and see what's going on. Uh, they had flights that they, you know, they kind of had their timing. It was, it was covered. It was cool, you know, whatever. So they were going to take me, drop me off at O'Hare and then they were going to take the car back. And then, uh, we would kind of meet up, you know, past security or if I didn't, if I couldn't get a flight, you know, meet up somewhere, I don't know, whatever. Um, but at some point they'd have to go through security to, to get on their flights. Um, so I get to the counter and talk to the guy and like, there's nothing. And this is where he's like, well, you know, he was, he was kind of repeating what I had already found on the app. And it's like, well, the earliest I can do is Tuesday. And I'm like, okay, I don't have to go to Tucson. Like <laughs> I can get to Phoenix. Phoenix is a much bigger airport. How, what if we do that? And he's like, okay, so what I can do is we can go from O'Hare, uh, to Palm Springs to Phoenix. And it's like, I don't know. Four o'clock in the morning at this point, four thirty, something like that, and, and and I'm just like, okay, he said Palm something, okay, so I'm going from Chicago to Florida to Phoenix. Wow, this day's gonna suck. <laughs> and um, it didn't. So I okay, so I said okay, let's do that. And so get through security. You know, I've got my ticket and everything's you know everything's taken care of you know, get to my gate, whatever, get on the plane. I'm like, this is kind of a small plane to be going to Florida. And, um, so we take off uh, and I have no idea which direction we're heading. I don't check on anything. I think I even take a nap. And, um, because again, it's early, I'm tired and I'm trying not to be awake because if I'm going to be awake, I'm going to be grumpy to people. And I'm, you know, people don't really deserve that. It's not their fault. It's not my fault, but whatever. So I wake up as we're kind of, you know, on approach and uh, the dude next to me, he had the window down the whole time because he was sleeping too. And uh, he kind of woke up and I look out the window and I'm like, there's mountains and there's sand. Where's the ocean? Isn't Palm wherever we are? <laughs> Everything named with a Palm is in Florida, right? That's where Palms are. And it's like, no, genius, you're in Palm Springs, California. <laughs> it's like, as soon as we landed, and I'm like, oh, my God, we're in California. Like, this day just got way better, because if, if this flight gets canceled, 
then like I'll just rent a car and drive. Like whatever. I don't care. Like I'm I am close enough at this point. Like now it's manageable. We are no longer in Illinois. Uh, we're in the Southwest. Like I know where I'm at, kind of. Um, we can make this work. So, anyways, um, yeah. So I land, and I've I've kind of been trying to reach out with uh, with Dave and Ben, and, and I I talked to them in in O'Hare. Once we all got tickets, we got through security. You know, I found them wherever their gate was. I chatted with them for a little bit, and then I moved on to my gate. And and they were like, okay, we're going to uh, LAX. Uh, from a, from Chicago to LAX down to Tucson. And at some point while I was in the air, they got their stuff canceled. And so it, it happened to all of us. <laughs> they got canceled twice. Um, they actually were going to have the most convenient thing. Um, but instead they went from uh, Chicago to Albuquerque to Phoenix. So somehow, and I, I think in the, the conversations, I was like, I'm this is my path. I'll end up in Phoenix at about this time. And like, I'll rent a car or like, I don't care. Like I was even, I texted my dad and I was like, uh, Hey, can you come pick me up at, um, Sky Harbor? <laughs> and you know, that's, that's only a two hour one way drive for, for anybody coming out of my neck of the woods. And it's just like, Hey, um, anybody want to come pick me up in Phoenix? And then it was like, okay, I'll take a shuttle. Cause that's like 35 bucks. And it's like, okay, whatever. But I had multiple options once I got anywhere in the Southwest, especially to Phoenix. So turns out that uh, that Ben and Dave, they were uh, canceled and rerouted uh, to Albuquerque and then to Phoenix. So we're all in Phoenix. And actually, when I land in Phoenix, um, I'm walking over because I, I looked at the boards and was like, OK, this is the incoming from Albuquerque. It's, you know, gate whatever. And I'm like, oh, OK, that's one like uh, moving sidewalk away from where I am. So I started going that way and I looked out the window as I'm kind of like, you know, moving down this moving sidewalk. And I see the flight, or I see an airplane, and I was like, uh, I can see you. And I messaged them, and I took a picture because it, it's, like, going to pull into the gate that I'm expecting them to go to. And uh, I sent it to them, and, and Dave responds back. He's like, yay, we're all here. And so we landed within, like, 15 minutes of each other. Um, Palm Spring wasn't without drama either because there was two flights at the gate that I was supposed to go out of, and they were both going to the same place, and they didn't use flight numbers. And I don't know why, but that was causing some massive confusion with some people. So, like, there was a whole lot of, like, grumpiness going on. And I was just like, I'm going to sit in the back. I don't have anything for another hour. Like, I'm charging my phone over here. Please don't, like, do anything that's going to cancel my flight. Like, don't – no fighting, no no anything. Like, I just want to go home. Um, so, anyways, got on the plane, made it to Phoenix just fine. So, um uh, ben was the hero after the Phoenix situation. Um, Ben's aunt picked us up and took us to uh, Ben's parents' house where we borrowed a car and drove down to Tucson. Uh, uh, Dave took me to the airport where my car was. Oh, no, no, no. No, Dave needed to get his car from the airport, and then Dave took me home uh, because I think Kim would Kim took me to the airport to get there in the first place. Anyways, these details don't really matter except for the fact that, um, again, it's Halloween and I know where my kids are trick-or-treating and I've been on the phone with my wife several times that day being like, this is this is the current fun that's going on. And uh, I get to our friend's neighborhood, which is like eight minutes away from where we live, so pretty close anyways, opposite side of town from where Den, uh, Ben and Dave live. But thanks, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, the lift. Um, 
And like I have my my suitcase because again I have this giant drawing in a tube in my suitcase. Otherwise I could have just made life really easy. So I've got my suitcase in my backpack, and I'm literally walking through the neighborhood, um, using you know find my iPhone, finding my my wife and kids, and uh, and I was texting, and I was just like, just look for the person with the suitcase because everybody's in costume, and I'm just like, this is hilarious. Like I could literally go door to door trick or treating and say like what are you for halloween and it's like i'm a traveler at an airport how scary is that today <laughs> so oh my goodness end of the night it was like i got i got to where i needed to be like and it was only like 6 hours later than what it would have been so just just ask yourself this in this cluster of a situation like how bad could it have possibly been it well the best case scenario when the day started was Tuesday, so a two-day delay from from whatever. And in the end, I made it in time. Got to go trick or treating with my kids, and you know, hung out with with friends, and we did the walk. And um, there were some very awesome neighbors in in this neighborhood, and we we found a couple uh, stations that had uh, little Dixie cups of wine for the adults. And it's like, you know what? Uh, tonight, this is very much appreciated. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, it ended up being a very crazy adventure and a very, very long day. Um, and it turned out to be a, a pretty awesome day uh, by the end of things. So, um, yeah, that was, oh, my goodness. <laughs> if you're going to travel, um, man. And I was totally oblivious that they were potentially going to cancel flights. Like, we didn't have any idea. And I don't, I don't know that anybody else did. And, you know, the reasoning was, you know, COVID and staffing shortages and... Um, at this point, I'd believe either, both, or none of it, whatever. Um, but yeah, so so that was the the grand roundup of the weekend. Um, but I wanted to give some kind of category specific thoughts. So, uh, food. I like food. Uh, I think Dave's a fan of food. I think Ben's a fan of food as well. Um, so the Renaissance at Schaumburg, where the expo was held, uh, they had this really good sit down place. And it wasn't like they had kind of like a sports bar on, on one side, you know, cause they had a bar, they, they had TVs all over the place showing, uh, showing sports, uh, the, the beer selection, um, it wasn't, wasn't cheap, wasn't expensive. It was kind of like a, a nice price point. Um, they had a couple, oh man. And I, I have a, I have a picture of the, the label or of the, uh, you know, the entry on the menu. Um, but I found I found a one beer there that I was just like, man, this is really good. I'm gonna go see if like Total Wine has this, or if I can maybe import it, you know, ship it, not import. Import sounds like I stick out my pinky when I drink tea, um, you know. But maybe uh, maybe Total Wine can can get that shipped in because they can do that. Um, but yeah, they had good burgers. Their buffalo sauce is good. Uh, they had these monster pretzels that were not like the frozen and reheat kind. Like those were really good. And the the different like cheesy sauces for it. It wasn't like nacho cheese. It was like proper cheese, and and yeah, just like that. The food was good. Like and it, you didn't have to leave the building. You had to walk a long ways to get there, but you didn't have to leave the building. It was a ton of fun. Um, the Embassy Suites, like I said, uh, it was it was a pretty cool setup. Pretty cool arrangement. Um, not a lot of food after breakfast, uh, but that omelet station was like you know really sweet, and. Um, you know, the morning after we met Red Dog, uh, uh, Dave and I had a table, and and Jeff Teolas comes down and, and he sits with us and he just kind of chat and he's, you know, just kind of wanted a recap of how how that night ended. And I was like, I got him to his room. I don't know what happened after I shut the door, but 
who knows if he even made training today. But anyways, um, like I said, good breakfast, uh, drink tickets, plenty of spaced out seating. Um, I I would not object to staying that uh, at that location again if if that ended up being um, a thing that we ended up doing. Um, the uh, the not Weber Steakhouse, the Weber Steakhouse. Uh, like I said, man, it was good. And after a travel day, like a nice, like not super carby comfort food type dinner, like it was good steak. It was, I mean, we had carbs. Don't be, you know, don't be fooled. But uh, like it was, it was good food. It was a little pricey, but not too bad, you know. And, and again, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, in, enjoy a little bit of stuff, you know. Don't go crazy, but uh, you know, enjoy the nice things too. Uh, for lunch one day, we went to this place, and it's called Finuccio and Sons, and it's in this little uh, strip mall shopping plaza thing, like, not too far from the hotel, um, and it was it was kind of simple deli sandwich stuff, but, like, there was people coming in picking up, like, basically, like, Thanksgiving dinner. Like, they, they have meal prep and stuff, and it was like, whoa, like, that lady just left with, like, a whole ham or something, you know, and, like, five pounds of pasta, and, like... Apparently you could, you could do that, you know, so they, they do catering stuff too. But, uh, you know, that was, that was where we went. Uh, we got a nice deli sandwich. It was, it was very filling, uh, without being heavy. It was very fresh. Uh, the, the bread options were really good. Um, that was fun. That was good. Um, nice and quiet, a little bit of a small place, but like when we were in there, there, there was only like ever one other table. And then a couple of people came and went after picking up their, their kind of catering stuff. Uh, Kuma's Corner. Um, this is a metal slash horror bar and grill, and uh, it was it was so freaking loud. Um, it was really hard to talk, um, you know, and, and it was really – so we were, like, watching some of the, the finals. I think – did we go there twice? I think we – the first time we went there, we sat, like, at a table. The second time, we sat at the bar, or maybe we sat at the bar, and then we sat at the table. I don't remember. Um, that's, that's probably because it was so loud. Um, but anyways – like it was, I was trying to watch the tournament and I couldn't like hear anything on stream. So like, it was just really just watching in silence basically. Um, which is kind of funny because it was nowhere near silent, but oh my goodness, the food was super good. <laughs> um, they had, they had a lot of different beers to choose from. Uh, they, the burgers were really good. Uh, they had this bacon mac and cheese and like all sorts of good fried stuff. Like it was it was like, um, it was like I don't want to say artisan comfort food, but it was like, it was really good comfort food. <laughs> and uh, we, I don't think we finished anything we got. I might have finished the burger, um, but like the the bowl of mac and cheese, and it was for three of us, and we were all picking at it, and it was just like, man, like that's that's like that could feed a family just by itself. I think. Um, but it oh it was really good. Um, if I went again, I'd maybe go when it's a little on the warm side and hopefully sit outside because <laughs> um, I'm sure there's noise ordinances that you have to abide by on the outside. But holy smokes, was it loud on the inside! But anyways, it, and it was it was a full cast of characters that were coming in. You know, you'd have like it wasn't like super cheap, so you didn't have a ton of college kids coming in. But I don't think there was many college opportunities in like right where we were anyways i'm probably wrong because we passed one of the university of uh, illinois campuses at some point but anyways you had uh kind of younger couples you could tell they were dating you had married couples you had 
kind of middle-aged couples. You had, you know, not a ton of old people, but, you know, here and there. And then you had, like, all sorts of interesting personalities that you would see on, like, 4th Avenue. If you're in if you're in Tucson, you know what 4th Avenue is. Um, if you're not in Tucson, um, it's an interesting place. Uh, let me just put it that way. <laughs> and uh, anyways, so, yeah, like, that was really good. And... Uh, I would definitely do it again. Um, I might have to uh, to kind of prepare myself, or just bring earplugs or you know headphones and pretend I'm I'm listening to something when I'm really just trying to save some of my hearing. So, anyways, in general, all right. So let's talk about Expo. Um, so the vendor area was amazing. Uh, the hours are more restricted than the free play area. I, I get that part. I understand it. That's that's perfectly fine. Um, and that might be. Uh, it's something that I could easily look past if it weren't for the fact that the free play area was a really big disappointment. And I know if you listen to any podcasts and anybody that went to Expo, you've heard this, right? So my my free play area experience was this, right? So the main area opens. The vendor area is not accessible unless you go through the free play area. So you have to walk past this row of games, you know, to get in in the beginning. And there's, I don't even remember what the first couple games were in, in total. I think there was an F 14. Um, there was right next to that. There was a hot wheels. Then there was, um, a claw machine and a couple machines down. There was an alien star. So it's like, okay, that's, that's a fairly eclectically random group of games. You know, there's a claw machine. Okay. So, but anyway, so like I got to play hot wheels for the first time. And that was really cool. I, um, I've seen gameplay of it. I, I don't really have any opinions one way or the other because, like, I've never played it. And it's just kind of like, well, you know, there's a lot of kind of common, um, not even critiques, but just common kind of uh, conversation pieces. It's like, oh, well, the, the graphics are all on the, uh, the YouTube show that they had, which most people probably didn't even know that they had. I didn't. Um, but after playing it, it totally works. It fits. Like, it totally works. Um, the coloring is is really bright. Like, there's a lot of orange. It's, it's like, on brand, it nails it, right? So it's perfect. Um, the stand-up targets have this little air wrench sound that if you're, like, hitting those a lot, um, whether because you're missing your shots, you're shooting for those, those targets, or you're in a multi-ball, or whatever it is, and it's, like... How you collect uh, cars, I think, is is one thing that that goes towards. I don't like. I said I don't know everything about the game, um, but that sound was really annoying. Um, and but I guess kind of I got over it at some point. Um, but all in all, like I really enjoyed playing the game. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I think if you have uh, kind of an automotive interest, like or even if you've ever played with Hot Wheels, like and most kids have, but. Uh, you know, I, I think that was definitely a game that was um, it was well done. I think it's probably Americans' best game up until that point, and I think it's you know, I think it's really cool. I wish we had one down here. I think there's one up in Phoenix to play, but I, I don't I don't really know. Um, I don't get up to Phoenix to play as much as I would like to or probably should, uh, but they definitely have a larger selection of games to play. Just because that that area has just totally blown up with different locations and and different personalities routing different games, and so you'll you'll get places that are just like a wall of stern, and then you'll get another place that's just 
you know, a mixture of like classics and kind of early solid states. And, you know, then you'll have a mix of like non-stern moderns and, and all sorts of stuff. So there's, there's lots of a variety up in Phoenix. And I think there's one up there that's on location and maybe it gets rotated up, but either way, um, Hot Wheels was a fun game. Uh, a little further down the road, like I said, it was an alien star and alien star is something that I've been aware of, but have never seen until I went and played Jim Belsito's at Riverside and at pinball at the lab. Good job, Wayne. Um, I should have an applause button for every time I get that right. <laughs> um, but anyway, so alien star, like I, I know it's a tournament favorite. It's kind of like one of those obscure games that like, you know, would not do good on route probably at all. But like in a tournament setting, it's just like, Oh my God, he did the thing. He blew it up. Amazing. Um, and it's, it's a really fun game. Uh, every time I walk past it, it either had zero credits on it or at some point it was turned off. And I think at one point during, during expo, it disappeared. And that was a criticism that, uh, that came up and, and has been heard that, you know, somebody said that, yeah, uh, these games are all owned by a handful of people and they're like the, the show runners. And from the last time they just got put in a storage unit and, you know, just got taken out to, to go to the show. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but it was really unfortunate to see some of these, a lot of these games that it's just like, man, a lot of the people that walk past these games, like they don't have a chance to get to play these things if they know what they're looking at and if they don't know what they're looking at, well, that's unfortunate for them um, because they're missing a great opportunity to play a super obscure game. Like I played a ton of games that not a ton, but I played several games in the free play area that I had either never seen before, never played before, didn't know existed, you know, checks one of those boxes. And, uh, most of them were, were playable, uh, Few of them were not, unfortunately. Um, one, like there was a there's a team one that, yeah, I know that's not super rare or anything, but it's fairly uncommon, and I've never played one. But uh, I got to play it, and I don't know if it was either not adding balls correctly or if something was stuck or something was wrong. But I look up and and I'm like, I'm about to roll it, and I have like three balls left, and I'm like, I think I've played like eight or nine balls at this point, and I don't know how to get, I don't know how to add a ball on that game. So it's just like, um, I don't know that this is going well. I think so, like the, the part where your game is over, I don't think that part is working. <laughs> so um, anyways, just stuff like that. But there was other games that worked just fine. Um, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that shows where it's like if the game doesn't have a free play setting, like it has to have a very, very low replay threshold of like 10,000. Like you plunge and hit a switch and that knocker hits because it just added another credit. And that way you just load it up with 40 credits at the beginning and, you know, then then your techs don't have to, to go back to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very similar complaint to what other people have had that I really wish the free play area was a little bit um, uh, a little. And it's not that I wish it was better because it's like that that doesn't help. That's not a, a, a constructive piece of criticism. I just wish that the games either had credits on them or were more functional or, or something. I have a picture of, of a, I think it was a wood rail with the left flipper pointing straight down. And it's like, well, what happened there? It's like, I don't know, maybe the set screw just broke loose and you know, it, it's now pointing down who knows, but did anybody fix it all weekend? I don't think so. Um, just stuff like that. So it's, it's something that has definitely strong potential because the game selection was pretty cool. 
Um, it just didn't didn't get executed uh, all that well from a, a first time experience standpoint. So, uh, anyways, um, the Stern Factory tour again. I get it. Uh, we didn't get to go. COVID sucks. You know, I, I understand that. I would still. I would love to do a Stern Factory tour. Shoot, I'd love to do a tour of American Pinball because they're in the area. And hey, Jersey Jack is in the area now too. Like. I would love to to go to all of those places and do a, a little tour, you know. Um, the uh, let's see, so the the Jersey Jack area, um, they had oh I got to meet Kevin Cromwell that was cool. Um, really miss uh, him and and Bill Webb's show. They they had a podcast, but now they're both Bill Webb's doing doing a show, and Ken Cromwell is also doing a podcast for Jersey Jack. So I get to hear both of them. Um, I got to meet Ken. I got to say like and I don't I don't know that this is like a dig or anything like this isn't meant to be anything more than just a comment but Ken is taller than I was expecting like I was expecting kind of like a an average height dude um cuz he just kind of like he's got kind of that that everyman vibe and dude Ken is like he's way taller than I thought um you know he's not Jack Danger but like he's 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 scaled up from from what I was kind of expecting, you know. But anyways, I just thought that was kind of a funny aside. I was like, "Hey, that looks like Ken." I was like, "Wow, that that Ken is really big," <laughs> you know. But again, I'm not a big person, so um, most people are bigger than me. Uh, but anyways, went over, got to play uh, Jersey Jack. Uh, let's see, what do we play most of? Do they have anything other than GNR? Um, but I got to play GNR. Uh, I got to play it on several different machines, and I I don't. I don't know if this is a show thing. I know this is a show thing. I don't know that this is an Expo-specific thing. Like, do they have this issue? Because I didn't notice it on any of the Stern games, which, again, is one of those common, uh, common not comp- complaints, but it's one of those uh, fairly common comments that goes on. It's like, you know, some of the JJP games, the flippers felt weak. And I had that exact same experience. But it was, it was one of those, like, um, you know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears situations. Like... I go up to one game and it's like, oh, these flippers are way too weak. And then it's, I'd go up to another game and I'd say, these flippers are kind of in the middle. <laughs> um, and then I go up to another game and I'd be like, oh, this one is just right. Like I can hit all the shots. Like this, this is the game that like you want everybody to come play. But and so like it makes me think that because it was game to game and and we played probably like four, five, six different GNRs. And, like, two of them would be great, two of them would be, you know, okay, and then two of them would be, like, I can barely, like, get it up to the ramp, let alone, like, up the ramp, you know? And I was just, like, I I don't know what causes that. Because typically when you have, like, a power issue at a show, like, everything is affected. But on this, this situation, like, only some things were affected. I'm, like, I don't get it. But, like, I played games by myself, and then I'd meet uh, Dave and Ben, and I'd be, like, okay... Do not get in that line or that line because those two games are not fun to play because of the flipper strength. But then I was like, if we're going to get in lines, we're going to get in line for that one, that one, that one, and that one. And then it was perfectly fine. So I don't get it. And I I'm, like I don't like to make criticisms without having some sort of a, you know, a, a suggestion. And I have no idea what the fix is on these. Um could it be game to game variation? Could it be that like they all had different flipper strengths, you know, that were all set up, you know, in the in the settings? I can't imagine if they were all just pulled right out of the box, they'd all be using the defaults, right? I have no idea. But um 
I've heard it at several shows. I've heard it from a couple different companies. It seems like everybody but Stern has flipper strength issues, but that's because Stern uses like super Hulk hamsters running in their hamster wheels, whereas everybody else doesn't. I, I like I don't get it. Um, but anyways, um, played a bunch of GNR. It's a fun game. There's a lot going on. You know, it's it's presentation to the max. Um, the shots are cool. The rules are. Uh, Definitely JJP. It took me a little while to be like, okay, I understand what I'm doing in this like tiny little portion of the game world. Um, I don't understand anything else. So uh, JJP is one of those you know learn at home type of games. Uh, learning on location if you can't hear the game uh, might be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, we got to play Slash's game that was made for him because all the band members got their games, got a game made for them, and they had like extra giant PA speakers set up to this. And of course it was blaring and it was just like, man, this is crazy, you know, but, uh, that was pretty cool. So it has like this, this like, uh, metallic, was it like black or purple or something? Like, I think it was a different trim color than what the, the LEs had that, that were around there. But like, man, that, that game presents really well. And it's fun to shoot. Um, again, Probably a little multi-ball heavy, you know, similar to what most everybody says. But uh, once you kind of get, like, what the... And it's, it only matters, like, this kind of a complaint only matters in, like, a tournament setting. Because you can totally design a game and manufacture a game, and the tournament people can be like, you know what? This isn't a good tournament game. And that's perfectly fine. Because the manufacturer might go, hey, guess what? It's not made for tournament people. It's made for somebody in the home environment, and we want them to have, you know an experience to the nth degree, and that's what we're going to give them. Light, sounds, multi-bolts, everything. So I think that's the angle they took, and, you know, from that from that perspective, it's a cool game. Um, the Stern games, oh, my gosh, there was a lot of Stern games. <laughs> they brought a ton of stuff. Um, they had nice padded flooring, too, which was really appreciated. So I got to play, um, what did I play the most of? Probably Godzilla Premium. Uh, again, I got one of those on order, and this was definitely one of those uh, – decision-making experiences where it's like I got to play the premium, I got to play the pro, and the pro is definitely serviceable, um, but the premium is the way to go, and I am not a premium buyer normally. I am pro all the way, and yeah, this time around, it's like, oh yeah, the difference uh, is definitely worth it. The building and the Mechagodzilla alone are what seals the deal, and I know there's extra stuff on top of that, Um, but those are the two biggest things, and that's why I've got a premium on order. But again, there was a ton of games there. I got to play an Elvira 40th. Eh, don't really care. I hated the shooter rod more than anything. It was one of those, like, dagger handle things, and it's like, the weight's wrong, the feel is wrong. Like, just give me a shooter knob. If you want to add extra trinkets and crap, do that once you get it home. I don't want to play that on location because it's different, and, you know, I know I know how shooter, you know, a plunger is supposed to feel, and I can't, it feels like it just, it's too wrong. It's too different. I, I don't like it. Um, but the game sure is pretty. Holy cow. The game is also expensive. Holy cow. Um, got to play an Aerosmith for the first time in a long time. They had one of those there. Uh, they had, I got to play Turtles. We got to play the Jurassic Park Pro that Jack Danger did. Um, man, what else did we play? Got to play a little bit of Mando. Um, yeah, overall, uh, huge selection, crazy large booth area. It's cool stuff. Um, yeah, that was that was a ton of fun. Um, and again, you know, Stern has super strong hamsters powering all their flippers, so um, flipper strength was not was not an issue over there. Um, 
uh, did some Insider Connected, got all set up with that, and uh, I'm sure everybody on the planet knows that the pro tip right now, because Insider Connected is only accessible through a web page that logs you out after a little while. Um, so what you should do is you take a screenshot of your QR code, and then you save it on your phone as a favorite, and hopefully not a thousand other favorites, and that way you can find it really easy to go log into games. Um, one thing that I... I, it took a game or two to remember to do was you also need to push and hold the buttons, the flipper buttons at the end of the game when you're done and walking away. Uh, so the next person in line doesn't play on your insider accounts. Um, I think I played, uh, what was it? I think it was Aerosmith. And then I walked over to play Elvira. And then like, as I'm turning, I see out of the corner of my eye and it's like, would you like to play again? 20, 19, 18. And they hit start. And I'm like, well, shoot. Maybe they'll get me some achievements. They didn't, but maybe. <laughs> so yeah, um, log out of your your insider account or log out of, log out of the game um, after you play it at a show. Otherwise, uh, you might just be playing a hot potato for the entire time. You know, everybody in that line is going to be playing under your account unless they have their own account or and know what's going on, which several of them didn't. Um, they'll just they're just going to hit start and it's like, oh hey, Wayne's playing again. Uh, when nope, Wayne's playing Elvira. Um, so, yeah, uh, the American Pinball area was cool. They had, let's see, I think at least eight games, maybe ten games. Or maybe they brought, like, eight um, Legends of Valhalla, which, again, like, I'm I'm a big supporter of the homebrew community as a homebrewer myself. Like, I, I really enjoy uh, all the different ideas and concepts people come up with. Um, you get to see a lot of different people and a lot of their different skill sets and their talents, um, and you see people combine to say, hey, I'm a really good mechanical designer, but I can't code for squat, um, raise his hand behind the microphone. Um, hey, you're really good at art, and you can code. Like, hey, let's team up and make a game. And, like, you know, you see stuff like that. And American Pinball has gotten behind uh, supporting the homebrew community by uh, doing the contract manufacturing of uh, Wrath of Olympus. And that was my first time seeing the game. That's most people's first time seeing the game. Um, it presents super well. They only have the deluxe edition, um, but it, man, it presents really nicely. Um, but some of the, oh, my biggest bummer when I was walking up to the game is I looked down in the apron, like it's so pretty, but the contrast, like with certain lighting situations, like the contrast between like the apron color and like the, uh, the art, like it's got this really cool embellishment art looking stuff. And then there's like some text on there. And like, I, I don't even know what all was there because I could barely see it. And I'm like, wow, that that's a really cool looking like idea. But the contrast is really bad. Like, I can't see this. I don't know what's even there. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really it's a really good presentation. Again, I like Scott's, Scott's art. Um, I think it, it presents well um, on the game. Uh, in the mix, they also had a couple of Houdinis and a couple of Hot Wheels, and I played a couple. I played a different version of Hot Wheels from the one in the free play area. Again, really enjoyed that game. Uh, that was a, a lot of fun. I think the shots feel nice. Um, some of the game times were a little long, um, but all in all, I think that was that was a cool game. Um, I played at least three and I think four different versions of um, Legends of Valhalla, and I played multiple different versions because. Gameplay wise, I I don't like I don't know any of the rules. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just out to shoot the shots. That's all I want to do in the beginning. I just want to shoot the shots. I want to try to hit everything once or twice. 
Um, I knew from some of the early uh, streams of the the homebrew version that I remember hearing that like the locks were kind of hard to qualify uh, because maybe the targets were were in a challenging spot, and I don't know if they fixed that. It's like I'm gonna try to see if I can you know get some inserts to turn green, and you know hey your locks are qualified or whatever. Um, and I wanted to shoot all the shots, and there's an upper flipper shot, there's an upper left flipper, and it's like hey sweet I want to shoot that that ramp. And, uh, on a couple of the games you could do it from, you know, kind of just a, whatever random experience you would, would come across on, on another version. Uh, you had to have it whipping around that right orbit to feed that left upper flipper and carry that momentum like a a one-timer to, to bring it up that ramp. Um, and then on another version, it wasn't going up that ramp, no matter what you did, like you could turn the game sideways and it wasn't going up that ramp. (laughs) Um, that's what it seemed like anyways, just because the flippers were so weak. And on all of the examples, um, I couldn't shoot the center ramp. And I was sitting there going, you know what? That center ramp is a really, really, really unfortunate decision. I would not have done that. What I would have done was I would have made like Odin a bash toy because there's an Odin figurine like right above the entrance to the ramp before it goes like through the back panel. And it's like I would not have, have made that ramp what it was because I struggled with it quite a bit. And I, on all of those games that I played, it doesn't matter how many different ones I played, whether it was three, four, five, whatever it was, I didn't make that center upper ramp a single time. And I was like, what they should have done was made Odin like a bash toy or make that so that there was like a bank of targets behind, uh, you know, the top of that, that ramp where I seemed to be able, that was as far as I could get it up the ramp. And, like, put some targets up there so you can hit that. And at some point, Odin will come down. He'll be a bash toy, like, during the wizard mode or whatever. And But until then, it's, like, it's just an elevated way to hit some drop targets that the orbit will actually go underneath that. And, you know, you'll get more shots. and You get, like, a cool little mini ramp that, you know, has a path to, to some targets. Um, but instead, I wasn't able to hit that shot to save my life. Um, so I didn't, uh, I didn't leave that game a single time going... I liked I liked that. I liked the way it shot. You know, I got into a couple mode multiballs. I don't think I got the proper multiball. Um, but I was just like, you know what? I, I don't even know that that was a, a proper experience because I saw I saw a couple of them disappear and get replaced with Wrath of Olympus and Hot Wheels, I think. Um, so again, I know they just kinda kinda come out with stuff. They they might not have had time to, to test everything. Again, might have been lower voltage at the show than they were expecting, you know, but it didn't shoot well. Um but that's I don't want to say that's okay. Um, but let's just put a pin in that because at some point I'll get to my TPF show and um hey, then we can talk about Wrath of Olympus again. Or Legends of Valhalla. How many times have I done that? <laughs> Whoops. Um Anyways, so I'm going to close this thing out because we're getting at uh, 90 minutes. Holy cow. So all in all, uh, the show was – I enjoyed going to the show. It was a good experience. Uh, like I said, I'd never been there before. Um, there was things that I really enjoyed. There was things that um, were kind of a bummer, and then there was things in my mind that were just kind of unacceptable, and that's the free play area. Um, but again, that could be with a little bit more attention uh, on the preparation side and then like a little bit more um, – maybe monitoring, checking for games without credits and, or just like being aware or maybe just group them all in one spot. Be like, these games can run out of credits and then have somebody just kind of, you know, keeping an eye out on stuff. And it's like, okay, you know, maybe at lunch, every time a game gets uh, free, 
I'm going to open this coin door and I'm going to click on max credits just to make sure because maybe, just maybe, um, it's run down a couple and you just don't want to risk it. And But anyways, like the, the easiest solution is if you don't have a game that can get set to free play, you set the replay value to something super low, like 10,000 on Stars or Meteor. And it's like, you know, within 10 seconds, you should have another credit put onto that game as soon as the game starts and it's getting played. So you should never run out of credits whether it has a free play setting or not. Um, and that's that's kind of the biggest frustration. And I think that's easily solvable. So uh, anyways, um, would I make it uh, one of my core events? Like, is it going to replace TPF or Indisc? No, uh, it won't. Um, and that's not because it wasn't fun. Uh, that's just because uh, TPF and, and Indisc are kind of like, you know, I, I have specific reasons why I go to TPF, and I have specific reasons why I go to, to Indisc. And um, until something can bump one of those off, you know, I'm going to keep one of those slots as kind of like an open slot. Um, I know people that have collections where it's like everything else, everything's nailed down except for the game in this spot. And this spot can change at any time, and it will. Um, so that's kind of where I put Expo right now. Um, yeah. I don't, and I don't think the I don't think the travel situation helped much. But I'm trying to not let that sway my decision too much because I don't think they're going to cancel 2,000 flights every single time we have Expo. At least I hope not. So, anyways, with that, holy smokes, an hour and 33 minutes. If you're still there, I appreciate it. Um, uh, like I said, this has been on the burner for for quite a while. I've I've had some time to think about everything. Um, yeah, I just I, I wanted to get this this done because now now I can start putting. I mean, I've got notes for for TPF, but I really want to do a TPF show because there's going to be some follow ups to some of the stuff that was discussed in this episode. And I was like, well, I could just not do the expo thing because it's been so stinking long. Um, but then some of the the comments that I that I have on TPF might not make sense. So, uh, anyways, if you're with me still, I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Party on. Party on, Wayne! Party on, Garth! It's Wayne's World! Wayne's World! Party time! Excellent! And we're clear.